Hi, this is David Flowers, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. In Grantham Church, welcome. Thank you for joining us in worship today. If you're here with us in person or joining via live stream, if you are new, my name is David Flowers. I'm the senior pastor here at Grantham. And we have been in a four-week sermon series called Foundations. In this series, we are looking at the call to address the spiritual foundations of our life in Christ. We're looking at how the gospel challenges us to commit to following Jesus together, which involves regular rhythms of prayer, reading, and reflecting on the scripture, and deepening relationships. In the first Sunday of our series, Pastor Melissa shared about the call to discipleship. She said that the the discipleship and the work of the gospel and being intentional about our spiritual growth can't simply be an add-on to our busy lives. Rather, it's the main thing. That message was an invitation to place Christ at the center and be about deepening your faith here at Grantham. And so when we answer the call to discipleship, we commit to some basic spiritual practices and regular religious rhythms that help orient our hearts toward God. Allow us to hear His voice and experience Him personally which is what I invited us to do last Sunday. That is, see prayer as the primary way by which we abide in the Lord, experience His presence and power, discern His will, and stay rooted in His love. This is where our identity and our purpose is discovered. That then brings us to today's message uh, where we put the the place of Scripture in building the foundations of our faith, how to use the Bible to know God and by the power of the Holy Spirit meet the risen Jesus, the one who shows us what God is like, what God has always been like, the one who loves you and offers us his mercy and grace today. And it's this Jesus that I pray you will encounter and experience through this message. Would you pray with me before we go any further? Father, we come to you, Lord, honestly, vulnerably, with our hearts open to you. Some of us with heavy hearts this morning some of us full of joy. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us where we are, for loving us as we are, not as we should be, Lord, because we know we'll never be as we should be. Holy Spirit, we now ask that you help us to focus on this message and the word that you would speak to us. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to begin this message this morning with a short video clip. It's not the best quality in the world, but you will uh, be able to see what's going on, and there's some captions there. 
Uh, it was, video was taken a few years ago, and some of you may have seen it. It went viral on social media. What you're about to see are Chinese seminarians in the underground church of China receiving Bibles for the first time. Let's watch this together. As followers of Jesus here in America, I think we have to ask ourselves, do we have a love and appreciation for the scriptures like the believers in this video clip? And if not, why do you think that is? There might be lots of different reasons for this, it could be apathy, it could be disinterest, it could be that we have Bibles laying around everywhere and we take it for granted. It could be neglect. Whatever the reasons, I believe we can all do something about it, amen? And no longer take the scriptures for granted. But see that it's foundational to our growth and that it is inspired by the Lord, a gift to us, the story of God, which we're being invited into today. I recently read Brian Zahn's timely new book, which touches on why I believe a growing number of American Christians have lost their fervor for the scriptures. Certainly this doesn't apply to all of us, but I think it does to, as I said, a growing number. In his book, When Everything's on Fire, Faith Forged from the Ashes, uh, Brian Zahn addresses this, what has become a popular practice of deconstructing our faith. Have you heard of this? Here's the description on the back of the book. It reads this, in an age of secularism, skepticism and cynicism, our worldviews have been shaken. Various solutions exist. Some double down on certainty while others deconstruct their faith until there's nothing left at all. But Brian Zahn offers a third way. What is needed, he says, is not a demolition, but instead a renovation of faith. Written with personal and pastoral experience, Zahn extends an invitation to move beyond the crisis of faith toward the journey of reconstruction. As the world rapidly changes in ways that feel incompatible with Christianity, when everything's on fire, provides much needed hope 
A stronger, more confident faith is possible when it is grounded in the beauty and the truth of Christ. Zahn permits us to risk the journey of deconstruction so that God can forge something more beautiful in its place. And for some of us, that means re-encountering the scriptures in a way that not only accepts the inspired imperfections of the sacred text, that is where God is revealing what it looks like when God accommodates himself to sinful humanity who penned the scriptures, but also moves us beyond a fundamentalist reading of the text, also beyond a modernist, historical, critical reading of the text, so that we can use the Bible to touch the divine. In chapter 10 of his book, Brian Zahn says, the 20th century French philosopher Paul Ricoeur coined this term, this phrase, second naivete. Some of you may have heard of this. That is to express the possibility of a return to innocence after having once passed through the purging flames of critical thought. And some of us have experienced that. The critical thinking, this historical critical method and way of reading the scripture just seems to zap the life out of it. And we're not apt to read it. And so Zahn says, this should resonate with many Christians who have gone through or maybe are growing through some form of deconstruction or been steeped in critical thinking for so long that you're not experiencing God through the text. Zahn says that when we apply the grace of second naivete to how we read the Bible, we can think of three stages. And maybe you're in one of these stages. My guess is that you are in one of these stages. Well, which one are you in? He lists them as number one, a literal reading of the text. This would be the way that a child, if we're honest, reads the text, let's say in Genesis, that mentions talking snakes. Right? To be trapped in a literal reading of the text, let's just take Genesis, an ancient cosmology, and what's happening in those first few chapters just as an example. A literal reading is to never move beyond just that. So we're forced to believe that the world used to be like Narnia. And a lot of people do this. Now, certainly there are parts of the scriptures that are meant to be taken literally, but never recognizing the different genres, that there's history, there's prophecy, there's ancient cosmology, there's narrative, there's apocalyptic, there's poetry. You see, being stuck in, and some of us grew up this way, a literal reading of the text. The other one is the analytical reading of the text or this historical critical method that arose out of the post-enlightenment period where we are only concerned with what it meant then, not what it means now. And we recognize the ways in which they were limited by their knowledge of science and psychology and whatever the case may be. Which often leads us to thinking that we're so much better and we know so much more, which is a problem in itself. And then there is a third stage, Zahn says, a mystical reading, which I want to invite us to embrace today. 
It isn't to discard of the importance of asking the question of crossing the bridge from the 21st into the, let's say, the first century and asking what did they mean when they wrote it? What was the context? These are important questions. We need to read the scriptures critically, but that is not the only way, and it cannot be the only way in which we read the scriptures. I guarantee you it's not the way the Chinese Christians in the video are reading the scriptures. So let's think of that. A second naivete, Zion says, reading of the Bible is not going back, it's not amnesia, it's not willful ignorance, but a new appreciation for the divine genius at work in these inspired stories. While it was a different time, far removed from the biblical criticism of the 20th century, King Josiah, you may remember him, believed it was divine inspiration and genius at work in the scripture when he brought about his sweeping reforms in the Old Testament, which were much needed in the kingdom of Judah. Some of you will recall in 621 BC, the kingdom of Judah, that's where Jerusalem was situated, remained 100 years after the fall of the kingdom of Israel to Assyria. Josiah became king at eight years old. Surely he had some advisors. This was after his wicked father, Amon, was assassinated. And ever since his grandfather, Manasseh, a wicked king, Judah was under a cloud of spiritual darkness. And you have to know that this really shaped the people of Judah, God's people who were left in the land because Manasseh reigned longer than any other king of God's people. And what Manasseh did was basically embrace the Canaanite gods and deities that they inherited with the land. Putting up idols in sacred high places where worship of Yahweh used to be, which involved a lot of nastiness, sexual immorality, even child sacrifice. The spiritual depravity of God's people, it was so thick. As I said, it could be experienced as a cloud of spiritual darkness, this worship of idols, the sexual morality, the sacrifice of children. And about 26 years old, Josiah has the temple renovated. You can read this in 2 Kings 22, verse 1 through 13. We're not going to read that this morning for the sake of time. But if you look at that, they are renovating and cleaning out the temple and they discover the lost book of the law. They discover the scriptures. Scholars believe it's probably the book of Deuteronomy, which was God's word to the generation going into the land after the exodus. It's read in his presence. They roll out the scroll, they read the scriptures, and Josiah is so moved by what he hears, obviously recognizing how far removed they are from obeying the scriptures, that he tears his robe, which is a, a sign of repentance, of remorse, of anguish, at disgust even at what he has seen based on what God's word has said. He then issues a call for a revival of Yahweh worship, a return to taking the scripture seriously again. Josiah has all the idols removed from the sacred places. He throws the Asherah pole. Now I won't go into detail here, but it's a phallic symbol. 
It, it was a way that they worshiped and prayed to a God of fertility. And he had that burned in the Kidron Valley. It was a, used in Baal worship. From East Texas, we said Baal, but it's Baal. And then he desecrates the altar in the valley of Hinnom, which is what Jesus referred to as Gehenna. With these images where we get of hell come from this, he desecrated the altar so that no more child sacrifice could happen there. It makes sense to why this was turned into the town dump in a burning heap. And so his reign and reform lasts about 31 years before things begin to fall apart again. And in less than three decades, Babylon, as many of you know, would come and carry off what was left of Judah into exile in 587 B.C., And if you skip ahead to the first century, hundreds of years later, we have this group of people that many of us who have grown up in the church, you've heard a lot about, the scribes and the Pharisees. You see, they were the religious leaders, the representatives of God's people, the the carriers of the, the Mosaic tradition. And they believed that Rome, yet another empire oppressing God's people, ruled over them for lack of obedience to the law. If God's people would all become serious students of the scriptures, they believed, if they would honor the covenant and obey the Lord, the Messiah would arrive on the scene, take the throne, and God's judgment would finally fall on their enemies, the kingdom would come. And while Jesus certainly shared their love for the scriptures, and oddly enough, even though he had a lot, of, a lot of things to say to them, probably resonated with him more than any other religious group. He also had a passion for holiness, Jesus did. But he differed on their interpretations and their applications of the law and of the Scripture. He believed they were missing the point and the purpose of the Scriptures, thus missing God entirely. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 5, is verse 39 and 40. Jesus said to them, he said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, right? That the scriptures are an end unto themselves. But Jesus said, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, what is Jesus talking about? At first, Jesus is speaking of how the Old Testament points to him. That is, the the prophecies, they point to him. Moses is a foreshadowing of him. All of the many signposts in the Old Testament, the events, the things that happened, the the tabernacle and the, the picture that it represents, all of that stuff points to Jesus. Yes, he's talking about that, but he's not only talking about that. This is also, I think, one of the many reasons why we should embrace a Jesus-centered, what some, and I like to call a cruciformed hermeneutic, a way of reading the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus and what Jesus reveals to us about what God is like and what God has always been like. Folks, if, if you have failed to do that yet in your Christian journey, you have failed to embrace the power and the mystery of the Incarnation. This is a new revealing. The the author of Hebrews said, once God spoke through the prophets, once he did that, once he he spoke through the Old Testament, but now he has revealed himself fully in his son, Jesus Christ, who is the exact representation of God 
the radiance of God's glory. And Jesus, I think, is getting at this. And notice, don't miss this one. Oh, don't miss this one. Jesus is also putting himself in the position of God. Jesus is saying, I am the one in which the scriptures ought to be leading you to worship, to know, to have relationship with, but you are missing it. So Jesus is inviting us to know and experience him in the scriptures, and I hope that you will hear that invitation this morning. And again, Brian Zion writes this in his book, When everything's on fire, he says, the Bible contains a lot of information, but the true purpose of the Bible is not to be an encyclopedia of God facts. Rather, it is to be a portal for engagement with God. This means that scripture and prayer should go hand in hand. If all we do is read the Bible, we've not yet understood the spiritual purpose of our sacred text. I hope that resonates with you. So let's think then about how do we prayerfully read the scriptures? How do we use the scriptures, this inspired text, as a portal for engagement with God? And there are various ways that we can do that, to read the scriptures devotionally and prayerfully as we engage them together. For example, and some of you I know are already familiar with some of these, but if you're not, here's some examples. Uh, first, and you've got tons of these out on the market today, all you've got to do is search it on Amazon. There are daily devotionals. It only takes a few minutes every day to do this sort of thing. Uh, these daily devotionals contain a few verses, maybe a short reading, maybe commentary based on the text may even offer up a written prayer or prompt you to pray spontaneously. You can get daily devotionals 360 for 365 days of the year. Uh, you can get men's devotionals, women's devotionals. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I've seen those, I've used it, yes. And they have them for different seasons of the church calendar, say like for Advent or, or Lent. There's also what we call the daily office which basically means our daily duty. Uh, This follows a liturgical format that includes a psalm, a Bible reading, silence, it works silence in there, written prayers. If you feel like I'm running out of things to say, it's okay to pray written prayers. We have 150 chapters in the book of Psalms that are all about that. If I could recommend one book to you, it's one I have used that follows this daily office format. It's Seeking God's Face, Praying with the Bible Through the Year. Again, you can look, at, look for that on Amazon, purchase it that way. There's also the Book of Common Prayer. So if you may have grown up Anglican or the Methodist Church or Episcopal, you're probably familiar with this. Uh, I like the, the newer version of it. It's called Common Prayer, a Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals, put together by Shane Claiborne. We've had Shane speak here at Grantham. It again follows a liturgical format that includes scripture reading, written prayers for the morning and the evening. There are even prayers for midday. Uh, you, you'll, some of you recall when COVID first happened, we were doing midday prayer, which follows this sort of format. There are even hymns and songs and words from saints in the past that are interwoven into this book. You might check that one out, another method of devotional, prayerful reading of Scripture. And then lastly, and the one that I want to spend some time doing this morning, we're actually going to do this together, is called Lectio Divina. 
It's an ancient practice which goes back to the third century of the church of prayerfully reading scripture and listening with the ears of the heart. Last week, if you were with us, I showed you three free apps that you can get on your smart device and they're all inspired by Lectio Divina, what we're gonna do here this morning. Let's look at that again. And, I, and the reason I wanted to put this before you again is because I really want you to check this stuff out. So let me go a little bit more in detail about what these things are trying to do. This Pray As You Go app is the first one. At their website, they describe the app this way. Pray As You Go is a daily prayer session designed to go with you wherever you go, to help you pray whenever you find time, but particularly while traveling to and from work, study, if you're going to school, whatever it is. It is not a thought for the day, a sermon or a Bible study, but rather a framework for your own prayer, lasting somewhere between 10 and 13 minutes. It combines music, scripture, and some questions for reflection. At the website, they say, our aim is to help you become more aware of God's presence in your life, listen to and reflect on the scriptures as you read them, as you hear them, and grow in your relationship with God. Uh, the style of prayer is based on Ignatian spirituality. Some of you might be familiar with that. And then there is Lectio 365. Lectio 365, this devotional app says you can read it, or you can listen to it, or you can do both. Uh, there's a morning and an evening devotion. The evening one serves like uh, the examine, which is a, an Ignatian spirituality uh, practice where at the end of the day, you reflect on the day. How was God at work? Where did you see God present? Where did you feel God's absence? Uh, what were the highlights? What were the low points in your day? Uh, the one they do in the evening, folks, is great for going to sleep. It's okay to, to fall asleep while you're praying. Some of you just needed to hear that this morning. I think you did because that's the only time you pray. But I hope that you'll expand your prayer life a bit. But it's okay. And it really is wonderful. I, I play it. The lights are out. I, I roll over. I listen. As soon as it stops, I'm out. You know? So I encourage you to get that. It's twice a day, morning, evening. And the app teaches you to pray in a, a very familiar practice and, and format, which we're about to see, the Lectio format, but it uses the, the acrostic pray, P-R-A-Y, pause to be still, or rejoice with a psalm and reflect on the scripture, A, ask for God's help, so you talk to God, you make requests, you listen to God, and Y, yield to his will in your life. You're, you're saying, what is God saying to me, what am I going to do about it? So I said last week, they recently released a Lectio for Families as well. Now, the Lectio for Families app has been designed for families with children ages between 7 and 11 years old, but it may be suitable for those who are younger or even slightly older as well. It features daily Bible readings, a weekly memory verse, engaging questions to, to pause and to talk about with your family, and prompts for reflection and prayer. The app can be downloaded by parents and caregivers onto, as I said, your mobile device. You can then choose to either listen to the audio content together or you can read it and just pass around the device together as you take turns participating uh, in the exercise. If you listen to the audio, the background music is engaging. Uh, the speakers are mostly British, some Irish, so that's fun to listen to. 
and the scripture is read by other children. And we've done this at home with our boys, uh, ages nine and five, and so I can tell you from experience, it works. It's engaging, it draws them in. You can also find, if you go to 24-7prayer.com, this company, they have lots of other good resources there. How to pray, what's a quiet time. I encourage you to check some of those things out. Again, these three apps were inspired by Lectio Divina and they're all free. If you you know how to work a smart device, or if you don't, come into the office, we'll show you how. It's time to start learning for some of you. This is the way of the world. Again, here's a definition of Lectio Divina, which which means, it's a Latin phrase, it means divine reading. Because we're not just reading to read, we're not reading analytically, we're reading to get in touch with God. An ancient prayer practice, prayerfully reading the scriptures so that we might encounter and experience God. And there are four movements to Lectio Divina. Number one, we read the text. The second movement is we reflect on what we have read. I'm gonna unpack all this in just a minute. And then the third movement is to respond, respond to the text, respond to God through the text. And the fourth movement is to rest. Now, you can find slight variations of this. If you're already familiar with it, you're like, I thought there were five. Well, sometimes people include a fifth one in there that is about action and responding to God, which I'm gonna build in already this morning. You'll see. Some of them will use the Latin words for meditation and so forth. I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna put all that out there. That's not really necessary. Uh, sometimes it's how many times you read the scripture, and that's totally up to you. This morning, we're gonna do it twice, but some would do it three or even four times. It's totally up to you and what works for you. As you'll find with a lot of spiritual practices, and honestly, this is why I'm a little slow to say, this is what the senior pastor does, so that you think this is what I have to do. It's not. There are all kinds of different ways of connecting with God. You, and I encourage you to do this, need to explore what is it that works for me, especially in this season of life, whatever it is that I find myself in. So we're going to practice Lectio this morning with two readings of Scripture. I hope you'll go ahead and grab your Bible. We're going, to, we're going to open that up in a minute. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the pew in front of you. Just have those ready. Well, I said in the pastor's email this past week, bring your Bible. You're going to need it. Here's what happens with each movement. Again, here are the four movements, and this is what we're trying to get at with each movement. Number one, with read, we're going to read the text slowly and listen. You have to slow down, folks. Move at the pace of grace. Be still, God said, and know that I am God. Slow down so that God can catch up with you. Or maybe put it this way, slow down so you can catch up with God. Whatever works for you. Read the text slowly and listen. The question we're getting at here is what does the text say or mean in the context? Now that's gonna be easy for some of us who are trapped in the analytical, historical, critical method way of reading the scripture. You're already automatically doing that all the time. Well, we'll see, this is what happened here and Paul was, yeah. That's okay. You might even use a study Bible if you don't know if it's a confusing passage. I don't understand what's going on here. Study Bibles are great or you could pull out a commentary, but I, I, wanna, I wanna caution you not to go so deep into that or you're gonna miss it. You'll spend all your time doing that and you won't, you won't do the divine reading, okay? 
What does the text say or mean in the context so I get the gist of it? Number two, reflect. Read again and be mindful of your thoughts and be mindful of your feelings. What does the text say to me? At this point, often in Lectio Divina, uh, spiritual directors will tell you to focus on a word or phrase that's emerging up out of that text. What was it that captured your attention in that reading? A word or a phrase. And how is God speaking to you through that? As I said last Sunday, God speaks to us through our thoughts. At first, that'll feel weird and awkward if you've never done that. And you'll be going this, playing this game, right? Is that God or is that me? With practice, you'll get better and better at it. And you won't even stop to think about it anymore. You'll have a dialogue with yourself. I did this the other day. I, I was praying and, and I heard God say, I something. I'm like, well, I certainly know that wasn't me. I don't speak that way. And I know I'm not schizophrenic. So it takes practice. What is God saying to you through your thoughts? Listen for the voice of God that way. Number three, respond. That is allow responses to freely arise in you. You ever notice maybe when you're hearing a sermon or you're reading scripture, doing a devotion, those thoughts and feelings and maybe it's the voice of God even starts to bubble up in you and you're like, oh, you start to sense it. You're like, I don't know if I wanna hear that. (laughs) I don't know if I wanna deal with that. I don't know if I wanna look at that. Let it come to you. Let it come to you as you respond to God. And, and then ask that, what, what do I wanna say to God? And what is God saying to me? And that fourth movement is rest. We wanna end simply by being with God and listening for his voice. You know, sometimes you'll be like, I didn't really hear anything. That's okay. We don't go into this looking for an experience. We go into this to know God to experience God. And sometimes it's simply sitting in his presence, enjoying his rest, and knowing I am loved. Amen? So that last one is, what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? Have you heard that before? So here's what Lectio looks like in practice, and this is what we're about to do. First, when you're at home, And I know this might be a little challenging. This is the kind of thing that you normally do in a big group space, uh, but we're gonna give it our best. We're gonna give it a go. uh, So you kind of know what this is like, right? I'm gonna not just tell you how to fish, but show you how to fish here. And so that you can take this home and do it at home. You wanna first find a quiet, comfortable place alone. I don't know where that is for you. Maybe there's a, a special chair you have where you can put your coffee in the corner with a lamp. Maybe it's uh, another room of the house away from everybody else. Uh, Maybe it's the bathroom, I don't know, I don't care. God doesn't either, just find a place. Secondly, prepare to meet with God. And we're gonna do this in our practice today. We're gonna use what they call centering prayer. We're We're gonna take deep breaths. We're gonna focus on our breath, breathing in through our nose and breathing out through our mouth. We're gonna Pay attention to our breathing. Why are we doing that? Pastor David, I'm starting to feel like a Buddhist. No, 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 no. This is a Jesus practice. Because some of you, and I've already talked to you, some of you this morning, you're like, yeah, I really resonate with that. I'm like that dog in the movie, Up, Squirrel. You know, I can't focus, I'm distracted. This will help you. Because your mind is focused on a single, single point, on your breathing. Or you might even, with your breathing, say some words, because that will also help you to focus. You could say anything you want with the pattern of your breathing. It might simply be, Lord have mercy, 
Christ, have mercy. It's a form of the Jesus prayer. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Give it a shot. I bet it'll help with your distractions. So we're gonna begin this way. Then we're gonna choose a passage of scripture to read. We're gonna choose this morning a passage of scripture on our reading plan for this past week. We're gonna slowly follow the movements. We're gonna read, we're gonna reflect, we're gonna respond, and we're gonna rest. And then we're gonna close with a final prayer. And if you're at home, you could close with the, say, the Lord's Prayer. You might even confess the Apostles' Creed and then pray the Lord's Prayer. You could journal, you could turn on some Christian music, you could even have music going through the whole thing if you wanted. Whatever works for you. And notice how the Lectio Divina practice really begins and ends with rest. One more image for us, and that's this one. Think about it. We begin with the centering ourselves, breathing in, breathing out. If we want to use a word or a phrase, we can do that. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And we do that as long as we need to, to reach a sense of calm and a focus, welcoming and inviting the Holy Spirit to visit us right where we are. And then from the rest, we'll open up the scriptures, we'll read a couple times, we'll reflect, we'll listen to the voice of God, and then we'll respond. What's God saying? And what are we gonna do about it? Are you ready to do this? This is different, isn't it? We're gonna do it. Grab your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. As I said, this was a, a, a reading from this past week, our Gospel reading in Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to, and I have it on the screen here for you. Uh, let's go to the next one, there you go. Chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. When you pick a passage of scripture, I wouldn't do more than a chapter, and some chapters in the Bible are really long, so you might want to shorten it. You'll notice we're not reading the whole chapter. We're just going to read one episode. This is Jesus walking on the water, meeting his disciples in the storm. I want to do my best to give you space for us to embrace silence as we go through this, and sort of gently be a spiritual director and direct you through this practice. Everyone have it, Matthew 14, beginning verse 22 through 33. This first time around we read, I'll read aloud, you listen. The next time we come back to it, you're going to read it silently, all right? Let's begin by centering ourselves, taking deep breaths in through the nose, breathing out of the mouth. If you wanted to say a phrase, you can do that. Let's do that now, all right? As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still to take slow, deep breaths, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. Just continue breathing and focus on Christ. Welcome the Spirit into this moment.
Jesus, light of the world, as I follow you today, would you illuminate the darkness within me and around me? Show me your presence and your path as I welcome the light of life. Our passage for today's Lectio Divina is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. We are reading and we're reflecting on the time Jesus walked on water, met his scared disciples caught in a storm. I'll read the passage aloud as we take in the story together. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now I invite you to read the passage to yourself quietly with the Bible that you have in front of you. This time, when a word or phrase strikes you, pause for a moment and rest with it. Let it speak to you. Pay attention to the feelings that arise in you as you read. Let's read that quietly together now.
we enter now to the third movement of responding. Prayer is our response to God's words through the scriptures. It is a dialogue with God that comes from our hearts. First, take a few moments to share with God the thoughts, questions, feelings, or requests that you have that our text has birthed in you. And then allow, brothers and sisters, allow the Lord to speak to you through your own thoughts. What is he saying to you? Let's talk to him now. yourself to move into this final movement of just resting in the stillness of God's presence. Return to your deep breathing. Receive his transforming embrace. Know that you're loved and that you're forgiven. Know that you're not alone. In this relationship, know that words are not always necessary. Just rest in his presence. Be still and know that he is God. Finally, as we close in prayer, I invite you to put your hand on your heart. Hear this prayer. Father God, fill us with your love. Help us to love you and everything that you've made. Now let's point to our eyes. Lord Jesus, help us to believe that you are with us in the storm. Help us to see you and to see others the way that you see them too. And now point to your ears. Holy Spirit, help us to hear you and give us courage to trust you and to do what you say. And all of God's people said,